I'm Claire Manship. And I'm Ian Brodsky. And this is The Thing That Happened This Week. The show where everyone brings a story from the past seven days and we break it down. It's only 13 payments of $19.99, but wait, there's more! Hello, my friend. Hello. How art thou? I am, I art well. That, That was, that probably wasn't right. I dost, I dost be well, I doth be... I am well. I'm, I'm, I'm great. <laughs> How are you? I'm not. I feel like my face is falling apart and my throat is on fire. Allergies? Yeah, it's like my allergies meets the end, the end, it's the end for me. <laughs> it's it, this is, this, this is, is it. it. My last conversation will be with you and our guest this evening. Yes. <laughs> um... Yeah, weird week because I've been fighting this thing and this morning I gave myself permission to skip an audition because I just didn't feel well enough to do it. You know? I, I don't blame you. I heard it was a shit show anyway, so... Was it an EPA? No, it was a chorus call for those that aren't in the business. We have two... In our union, we have two kind of major forms of auditions. One is like you get two minutes to present your best work for a role that speaks, essentially. It's called an equity principle audition. And then there's another form which goes much faster and they line you up. It's kind of how people see it in the movies where you might get typed in or typed out Mm -hmm. and you get a certain amount, a very short amount of time to like really razzle dazzle them and it's called a chorus call. And so, so you went to a chorus call today. Oh, well, you're well, supposed I to. Was sub- I was going to, and then the more I woke up at seven to like go, mm-hmm. and I was laying in bed, and I was like, "This just isn't the day. It's just not gonna happen." That happens. Yeah. Um, I'm planning my birthday party. Uh, yeah, I got the invite. Yeah, duh. Yeah. What if I didn't invite you to my birthday? That would be weird. <laughs> that would get me a little bit. Imagine if you just like went home and un- un- uninvited me from it. Maybe I'll do that just to spite you. That, you'd have to tweet at me about it too. (laughs) Just to remind you. Hey, Ibrosky, go look for my birthday invite on Facebook. You're not part of it. It's weird because now Facebook tells you when people have seen your invitation to an event. Mm -hmm. And like everyone I invited. It's like my 20 closest friends in New York and probably six will be able to make it. And like everybody's seen it and you're the only one that's responded. One other person responded and said he couldn't be there. <laughs> and I'm just like, fuck you guys. Answer. You're supposed to be my friend. That shit, yeah. And sometimes I find that shit doesn't happen until like the last minute too where people are like, oh yeah, I can go, not go. I still don't know if I can go. Um, yeah. Yeah. But. Weird. So anyway, yeah, I'll be 26 on June 5th. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't like even numbers, and I definitely really? don't like even numbered years. Really? Yeah, I hate them. I just, you know how some people, their OCD makes them like everything in pairs? Uh-huh. Even numbers make me feel very uncomfortable. That's interesting. Yeah, like, I have to do everything, like, three times. Okay. Or, like, radio stations, or, like, the volume on the TV, or whatever, or, like, mm. the speed of the fan in my room. They all have to be odd numbers. Now, are you superstitious? Like, do you care about, like, 13 or 6s, or, like, No, I, I like 13s. I actually prefer things to end in 7 and 1. Huh. Yeah. They don't have to be, like, divisible by a certain amount. And that, I think, irritates other people when they're with me. 
Because I'll be like, sure, let's make 17 cupcakes. And they're like, why? Why <laughs> would we make 17? Well, how many are in like a baking tray? Like six or nine? Mm, it depends on the size. A okay. really big one will be 12. Sure. Three rows of four. And then a normal size one is just a sixer. Because like now I'm imagining you make like, you have sixers, but you only do like two fulls and then like five sixths of a baking tray, <laughs> which is like pretty funny to me. Well, sometimes I eat so much of the batter that I run out and then I have to fill the sixth muffin tin with water so that it doesn't burn a hole in the bottom of it in the, uh, in the oven. <laughs> mm. That's a trick. I like to eat batter. That's well. Have you been to Dough, the, the cookie dough place? I I've heard of it, and then I passed it a couple weeks ago. Like where is in it? Person. It's just south of Washington Square Park. Okay. At least that's the one I saw. I don't know if there's multiple locations, but no, I think it's just the one. For people that don't live in New York, um, I think they might have one in L.A. too, or maybe it was a concept in L.A. first. Maybe. But it's called Dough, and it's a store that serves just cookie, cookie dough, dough. But it's it's safe to eat. Like the egg, the egg product within it has already been cooked through. Yeah, which is really weird to me. I I don't know. It doesn't freak me out. Like people I, eat raw egg all the time. I mean, I was just never like a raw food person, and I think part of that was like the fear of my mom, like and salmonella. Yeah, she would always warn me about that, and like Wait, I was. How never... do you say it? I, ju- I just said salmonella, like, as if it were salmon and, like, like Cinderella, but with a salmon. Salmonella, but you... But ha- it's, but ha- it's salmonella. Okay, It's right. definitely salmonella. I just I don't know why, check. like... I don't know why for, like... Like, I don't your know why problem that was is, my... like, the opposite of the salmon yeah, pronunciation. exactly. It's definitely, like... I'm sure it's pronounced salmonella, but that for some reason, you. I just, like... Like, I just grew up saying, like, salmonella or salmon... Like... However I grew up pronouncing it, like, kind of glossed over the whole word. Yeah. So I'm sitting here defending my pronunciation of salmonella, like fucking Cinderella, but, but a fish. But it sounds like a girl's, like a little girl's clothing store, Sam and Ella. We are copywriting that intellectual property right now. Yeah, and tell us where, what stores we should buy from. This week's um, thing at gmail.com. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we won't be the only ones that find that funny. This is how I'm pretty loopy because I'm pretty drugged up right now. I'm going to be honest, buddy. What do you want? Heroin. Okay. Classic. <laughs> Claritin D. <laughs> a lot of ibuprofen, but that's yes. probably rubbed off. So that's probably why I'm in pain. Mm. Um, a lot of herbal tea, which Ooh. actually warm liquids make me feel kind of buzzy in my brain. I Yeah, that's a thing. And um, what else? Do you want an Advil or a Tylenol or anything? Uh, no, I'm okay right now. My pain management is pretty strong, but thank you for offering. Of course. Ian Brodsky is my drug dealer. <laughs> you heard it here. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a lot of people like, ooh, what's this about? Aww. Sometimes I'll be out in the world and I'll think of what a great episode would be, and I try for just a second to figure out if there's any way to work it into But no, like the best episode names just come from the moment. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I was I was listening back to last week's episode, our mm-hmm. two parter with the ever lovely Lauren A. Kennedy. Yes. And uh, uh, episode twenty five. Yeah, pony? I think that yeah. Pony. Pony. Riding like a pony. And um, ooh, my voice sounds like kind of sexy with this like, like. No, you still got it. Little froggy frog. You got it. Yeah, it's funny. I was trying to rehearse for... I can tell everyone now. I'm going to go play Tracy Turnblad. Yes! Woo! And I was trying to rehearse some music today, and I was I couldn't even get the O-O-O's out. <laughs> I, 
<coughs> yeah, I know. I felt like I was Woke dying. up today. Yeah, literally. But I was listening back to Lauren's episode this past week, and um, I couldn't believe how like cavalier I was about the kids that were in the subway shooting heroin. Oh, yeah. That was like... <laughs> you. <laughs> That was pretty, like, matter of fact, and maybe it's just because you've been in New York for long enough that it doesn't phase you as much, but that was so funny. It was really strange that I, like, it just, like, happened upon my brain, and then... This is gonna be so gross, but I, that reminds me, I was on my way home from the one train. Do we need to give trigger warnings for what you're about to say? Maybe. If, like, if you if you can imagine things and are, like, squeamish, then, like, it would kind of be a trigger warning. Especially if you're driving right now. Yeah. Okay? So... Like, I passed by, and this guy's just holding a blade. Fuck. And, like, and, like, there was, like, a group of, like, friends. It was clearly, like, nothing dangerous. But I realized (laughs) this guy was, like, removing a skin tag off another guy just with a kitchen knife. And, like, I'm only, I'm someone who only, as of the past few years, has gotten, like, kind of squeamish. With a kitchen knife, like a sharp one, Like a sharp knife. Oh, okay. Not like a, not like a normal. Not like a butter knife or anything, but like a sharp. It annoys me when people call them butter knives. How many times a week are you going to use the table knife for butter? That's what you call it? Compared to other, yeah, well, I used to work in a, I used to work at Sur La Tab. Yeah. Sur La Tab. And, um. Yeah, I, I, I just consider it if it's part of the cutlery set, because there is a butter knife, and when people yeah, say Yeah, no, butter, you're right. Yeah, you know what I mean? I just grew, yeah, that's just the terminology I grew up with. Just so everyone knows, I, I worked in a cookware store and then taught cooking classes. We're all mispronouncing it. It's cut knife. <laughs> really? Cut knife. You're fucking with us. You're totally fucking yeah, with us. Yeah, of course I am. Come on. Ian, for one second. For, for one second, I was like, well... There's the slight possibility that she does know this, and it's a very little known fact because she worked in the like high end food <laughs> like retail. And then I was like, "No, I no, will use you're, this knife to cut out the salmonella." The salmonella. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, this guy's cutting off a skin tag. Yeah, I mean, like that's really Fuck. it. But I'm just like, but I kind of realized that like as I was halfway down the block, and I was like, "Oh, gross." Bleh. Yeah. You know what? That one is a little creepy, but you know what I do really love? And I've talked about it, I think, on the show before. I really find it satisfying to watch videos of, um, like, cyst removals Ooh. or, like, uh, you know, um, there's a woman on The Doctors, that daytime talk show. Yeah. Um, and uh, she goes by Dr. Pimple Popper is, like, her nickname. Oof. I really find that stuff to be honestly very soothing. And I think it's because I have a minor form of trypophobia where, like, things with holes or circles, like, kind of randomized mm. makes me feel squeamish. Got it. And I like the concept of, like, clearing it out, like, cleaning up something, you know? And I think the human yeah. body is just fascinating. It definitely is. I think our anatomy is just really cool and, like, how sometimes your body can, like, be fighting itself. Like, I think yeah, that's, that's cool, too. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I feel like my body's fighting itself right now. It definitely is, but, like, in a and good way. And nobody's winning. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you gotta get some sleep. You know what? I am actually pretty well-rested. That's good. I'm so well-rested. I'm just hearing the vocal fry in my voice. I'm not trying to make it like that. I just sound like I'm on Gossip Girl. (laughs) (laughs) It's very West Coast. Okay. I'm going to try and, like, clear up my voice. Um, So, guys, today we have an incredible guest that's going to be on, and we're going to give him a little ring-a-ding-ding in just a couple seconds. So when we return, it's guest time. Guest time. Woo! 
Guys, we have an unfucking believable guest. He is a fellow Elon University Phoenix, and he has his pulse on the finger of pop culture at all times. When I get on Facebook, this is the guy that I look for to tell me what I need to know for the day. He is currently a producer in LA. He has worked with the likes of Kanye, Lupe Fiasco, Kendrick Lamar, tons of viral YouTubers. Anyone that your little cousin is into, this guy is working with. And he currently is over at Ovation TV. He has, I mean, just unbelievable wealth of knowledge. We are the luckiest. Please welcome Raj Wawal. Hey, Raj. Welcome. Hey, well, thank you for that intro. God, my mom can be really proud of something with that intro. Uh, that's <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> well, I'm I'm nervous. Your mom, your mom's gonna he- listen to the segment, and I said fucking in the first like two seconds. <laughs> hey, oh we- no, no, no. She's she's fucking like the number one supporter of <laughs> like number one fan of like anything I do, even like with stuff I told her not to watch. Uh, she'll still watch it, but I'm oh. like, okay, don't tell all the other aunties and uncles about it. That's what in Indian culture we call moms and dads, just aunties and uncles. Oh, so, I love that. Uh, yeah. It's so great that but she yeah, supports you, though. Yeah, we are so lucky to have you on. You know what I forgot to say? I was just watching, and I just showed it to Ian, the video of you. BuzzFeed just put out a video of people reading their middle school diaries. Raj, yours isn't – can you talk us through that experience? Oh, yeah, no, no, it was great. I basically used to have an old IBM brain pad, and my mom basically found these files, or, like, floppy disks I used to have. <laughs> Throwback. And we still use we still use this computer sometimes. It's, like, a 2003 computer. And, yeah, I said, can you send me these files? So she sent me, like, I guess, I don't know, like, 30 of them. So I was looking <laughs> through my old, like, middle school angsty voice, and, like, even in the YouTube comments, some people are like, oh, are you a West Windsor Plainsboro alum? I'm, I was born and raised around Princeton. And I was just been responding with my personal account going, yeah, this is me. And they're like, oh, wow, you were really emo. And I was like, I don't think that was the terminology really in 03 yet. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was fun. One of my uh, friends produces at BuzzFeed, so uh, she got me hooked up into that. And I have just been very heartwarmed by their reception. Most importantly for my Raj Against the Machine hat that I've been wearing that my girlfriend made. Yeah, Shout that out was Brittany. so dope. And that's and everyone's asking where do I get that at? Um, I want that as merch. And then the tagline for their whole video is only Radiohead gets me. Which <laughs> I mean for them in a, from a search perspective is amazing because you know they're doing their insane 2017 world tour. So um, yeah it was really really cool being part of that. And you know I love the what they're doing over there at BuzzFeed. It's, I feel like it's the relevance of what MTV was for us in the late 90s and the pop culture hub but now available in your hands worldwide so um, and then you know you still have people thinking it's not real content which are like you know the idiots that are ousting themselves of entertainment but you know that's just me cool Ian and I are vigorously yeah. nodding our heads because I feel like BuzzFeed is is the first thing I go to for I mean really for anything if I feel like taking a quiz that'll tell me what kind of pie I am. Yeah, like, (laughs) it is so much like the center of the zeitgeist. Like, everything. Yeah, yeah, it's it's 90s nostalgia junk food for the soul. It's everything we want and don't want, and all of us can hate on it three or ten times a week, but then we still visit it, you know, 30 to 100 times a week. So, at the end of the day, they're winning, so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, you mentioned that, (laughs) you mentioned, uh, uh, was it Radiohead's World Tour? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, they're on the world tour, and I had a chance to catch them that second weekend of Coachella and Sweet. in Santa Barbara and at Outside Land last year. <laughs> That's and amazing. Two shows at the Shrine in Los Angeles. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm super envious. I have major FOMO about your time at Coachella. Let's talk, um, right now, we're kind of in the thick of spring-summer music festival season. Do you have a preference of music festivals? You know, Bonnaroo versus Coachella versus maybe Fire Festival? Oh, yeah. I mean, Fire Festival, I mean, I'm just... I'm trying to just rebrand and make Fire Festival mine and just capitalize off that name. Because, <laughs> guys, it's going to be fire. To me, it's just, it's literally one of the most hysterical things ever. And I love all these articles that are like, show empathy to these people. But no, 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 no. They marketed it as, like, rich kids of Instagram meets an island vacation, but it ended up being rich kids of Instagram meets Lord of Flies. So <laughs> how can you not have a case of shot in for you and not laugh at that when people are spending $1,000 to $12,000 on a festival that didn't even happen. They didn't even have, like, stage permits thing uh, put together. They didn't have a million dollars to do plumbing, and they were trying to create their own city. And it's just truly, like, talk about Twitter being the primary reporting place to find yeah. out what was going on there. I- I'm, I'm sorry to say it's never not. It's hysterical in every way, shape, and form. I think Ja Rule is innocent. Team Ja Rule. Free Ja Rule. Stop giving Ja Rule a hard time, Internet, you know? You heard it here, folks. With it, but yes. Fire Festival's not his fault. He got lured into it with a bunch of money, and I guess he was not always there when you called and was not always on time. Um, <laughs> you know, where was... We just needed Ashanti, really, at the end of the day. Maybe she could have fixed everything and equalized it. Uh, but, on a good note, I did see Kalani at... Coachella, who is basically, Ooh. like, the new answer for Shanti, who is, like, amazing. She's on the very garbage and amazing Fate of the Furious soundtrack, which is, like, an A-plus to me. Um, and just, the festival alone, Coachella is, like, to me, the standard of the music festival. It's, like, the Glastonbury of America. They really have everything together. They've been doing it for so long. They have the logistics down. They make sure everyone's hydrated. Water is only two bucks everywhere you go. And to think about it, it's like the best place to speed date top tier bands. Because, you know, we you have to sacrifice time with bands if they overlap. Like, oh, I'm going to see five tracks from them, five tracks from the other. Oh, but if, like, the XX and Radiohead are playing back-to-back, I have to miss these four bands because I don't want to lose my spot at the main stage. So um, it makes you prioritize what musicians you really want to see, but also gives you a great experience. Uh, and the people you go with always makes a difference as anywhere you go. But I think I think what gets taken over about Coachella is the subculture behind it, which is obviously huge, which is what gets it sold out and makes millions of dollars. Um, it's definitely becoming, people say it's becoming less about the music. I wouldn't say that's it. It's becoming less about the journey of getting to the music and actually seeing actual musicians. Because this was the year the EDM tent is like garbage central, you know, um, and I went there two, three times. It was fine. But you literally can't get around everywhere and everyone is on some sort of choice drug. And I guess this is how festival trends are changing. My perfect example is we saw Future, who I didn't even know I knew 30 of his songs, but I apparently did. Hmm. And um, he did like a sundown set at like 630, but then there was Bon Iver was playing next, who's like worldwide critically acclaimed you know justin vernon lead singer worked with kanye he's like a king and then literally 75 percent of the crowd left and it was just so empty oh. it looked like a ghost town and it was low-key insulting and a slap to the face i was like oh you have like a goddamn musician same with lady gaga's crowd was low too because 
I think maybe DJ Snake might have been playing at the same time. And it's just yeah. interesting conceptually that DJs and EDM are, are in like one rapper like Travis Scott was on the second biggest stage uh, facing Radiohead. And that's kind of what's taking over. And I have a very differentiation. I mean, I was raised on 90s hip hop. I'm an East Coast kid. Like I love, I was raised on the likes of Tribe, Nas is Illmatic, Biggie's Ready to Die, um, The Mob Deeps, The Infamous, which Ship One's part two. Like that was all my shit growing up. So seeing all these people do these reunion tours really has me hyped. But then it's like you see all these auto-tune rappers and stuff, and that's what's becoming the youth trend. And using made-up terms like lit AF, what up fam, AFF. <laughs> like, these aren't real words that people are saying. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills at the end of the day. And I feel like people always come to me to be the filter of millennial nonsense. But I just, I really don't see the fascination that a youth culture has in it. I'm saying it's because of Instagram and because they have access to information and shows. And now some of it is being used for good. I think Chance the Rapper is incredible. I think what he's been doing is amazing. And he's actually an artist that's really avidly and actively giving back to the community no matter what. And releasing all his shit for free, which is awesome. We're doing internal deals where the fans get access to all the music for free. And he's just making money off merchant events, which I think exactly how it should be. We're in a time where the album is the most important and least of least important things in the world. Most as in that's your awareness package of your track. That's what's going to get to everyone's phone, to boombox, to Bluetooth speaker, to headphones. But least important financially because, you know, a chance to me is the prerequisite of the death of the record label, which is inevitably going to come sooner than later but it's going to take more time because there's all these contracts and people that have been in these industries for years and, you know, kind of festivals collaborating with them. But yeah, Chance is the one hope I have for rappers and festivals. Future, nothing against him in general. It was actually a really fun show. It's just like seeing, we had like a thing going, oh, it's like a Sahara tent future audience here. Mm-hmm. But then like when you're at Radiohead, it's really people into the music. And if you look at 04 Coachella lineup, that is the, best year hands down like the under undercard like the smallest artist was the killers who ended up being the headliner four years later which is to me amazing and just the the latter timing of music festivals that was the also scene festival that had muse in the 04 tiny 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 like daytime bands right after absolution (laughs) came out which has time is running out hysteria on stockholm syndrome through the biggest songs lcd sound system which now are huge and uh, headlining the festival circuit yeah. and the headliners were Radiohead and the Pixies and the Flaming Lips which is like nuts because all of these bands is now intellectual properties worldwide are still very relevant so that to me is cool that all these bands are doing a resurgence everyone's like why are bands coming back 90s nostalgia then I was like they're coming back because A they need money uh, like, Facts. the B, nostalgia yeah. selling B, thank you, prayer hands emoji to BuzzFeed, seriously <laughs> like bringing back nostalgia and Spotify and playlist curation yeah. it's all part of part of one formula and like live music I feel like wasn't that much of an access point growing up in the east coast so I saw Radiohead at All Points West which went defunct after two years in 2008, it was two nights Radiohead back to back and Jack Johnson headlining but that was pre-Sex on Fire, Kings of Leon, like, yeah. Animal Collective, The Roots, pre-Jimmy Fallon, and, like, Sia, when she, Sia played at Coachella in, like, the early 2000s, you know? So she's been around forever, so. Wow. That, yeah. to me, was so cool, yeah. And, and you know, Liberty State Park putting that on was amazing. But now it's, like, New York. So I always called New York Garbage Island growing up because, you know, <laughs> you're from New Jersey. It's, like, you're right, you're, like, 40 minutes from it. To me, New York 
was, remember, exposure-wise, that was Manhattan. When I would go in, when I was 12 in the city to go see a show by myself, or sorry, with friends. And I mean, we, we live here. And when we were like 16. We, yeah, oh, yeah, we live here and we probably agree. It is yeah. a, a little bit of a trash island. Wait, where did you grow up? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. 100%. Like, I can admit L.A. is trash all the time. I actually thrive on that. <laughs> Where did you grow up? Where, where's your hometown, buddy? In, in Princeton, so 45 hours. Oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, Penn Station, basically, yeah, Northeast Corridor. Um, so it's, to me, it's like I love the New York I think I grew up loving. I think as soon as I started college and I started going there as an adult and with a fake ID, it kind of, like, started fizzling <laughs> out at least to what I needed because it was such a culture hub for me. And I always thought I'd end up there. And, you know, I fell in love with L.A., but opportunities where you go first. And um, at the end of it, then I discovered Brooklyn as, like, a 24-year-old adult. And that's mm. where I was like, oh, my God, this place is amazing. Like, this is <laughs> things outside of Manhattan are really cool. Things outside of Manhattan are awesome. This is where, like, the communities are. This is where you get into discussion. I think I had, like didn't despise Manhattan growing up. I just knew it for good music venues or like taking tourists to Times Square that little, uh, you know, came into town. But there's no music festivals we can go to, especially one that was all ages. There was always age restrictions and barriers, which I feel L.A. did not have in the late 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, but I New think, York is like, oh, you can't do that, you know? I think here are two, you know, the one that everyone, it's, it's set up to be like the New York Coachella, as close as they can get is Governor's Ball, but yeah. Coachella has multiple yeah, weekends. And Panorama, yeah. yeah, and then we have Global Citizen Festival, which it's not by tickets sold, it's by actions done, you know, and I'm sure you know that setup. Yeah. Um, and that's oh, in Central course, Park. Yeah. yeah, and it's so different here because it's like it's like a city. It's not like we it's not like we have vast spaces to make these things happen. Right. Oh, yeah, no, totally. And L.A. is not a city. If anyone tells you that, they're lying. Someone tried to yell at me, one of my friends, about, of course it's a city. There's this much traffic. There's this much. I was like, dude, it's New Jersey with palm trees. You're just driving neighborhood to neighborhood. Yeah, legit, though. And there's a lot of pollution. That's real. And the weather's nicer. That's it. Like, And I always say we pay the weather tax as far as (laughs) festivals we can have year-round. Because, you know, you can go to a festival in October and it's 85 outside and yeah. you can do it on a weekend and not have to worry about weather. We've been having a lot of rain this year, which has been really funny and hilarious to me <laughs> to see how people react. But um, to swing, yeah, so I think Coachella, what's up? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say to swing it back to nostalgia. Um, do you feel like now that we're in kind of peak television as well, that this 90s groundswell, like we had a, one of the Gilmore guys, Kevin T. Porter on the show at one point, and we were just talking okay. about that late 90s, early 2000s, just like, you know, Will and Grace just got the green light, you know, like, how do you think Friends is getting our season? Twin Peaks is coming back in two weeks, and like, that's the whole thing. Everyone is now, everyone has to, you have to understand, back to YouTubers and things that used to be grassroots, like Coachella, before it got bought out by Golden Boys, everyone is now scared, and they have public, you know, stock options and shareholders that they have to satisfy, so... Going with doing reboots is a very safe option that is going to get ad sales, that is going to get revenue, that is going to get networks money, that is going to get studios money. Why do you think we're seeing like garbage animated things like the third Smurf movie, an emoji movie, yeah. um, all these Angry stupid Birds. DC movies, Angry Birds movie, like Wonder Woman looks half decent. Let's pray your hands emoji up to that, hopefully, <laughs> with a female director. Um, trying to talk millennial nonsense. I don't know your listening audience, but I'm trying to do that. Um, but yeah, it's, people are doing that because 
no one is taking risks on franchises. The only risk new intellectual property franchise that I can think of, along with Fire Festival, which failed, <laughs> is um, the John Wick franchise, yeah. which is like grassroots, homage to 90s, 80s action movies, directly knows its core audience, is highly, highly critically acclaimed, and they're just building a universe out of it. And I mean, I'm obsessed with it because I love, we all grew up going to the movie theater, especially people in the suburbs and like before YouTube and all that, this was our escape, you know, being in a room with strangers and being transitioned into another world and universe with all these people and coming out of the journey with it. And now it's like a chore for a lot of people to go see movies. People are only going to go see Marvel, Star Wars, or Disney movies. That's yep. statistically the three movies people are going to go see in theaters. I see all the garbage that's out. I actually <laughs> love seeing a worse movie than I do a good one. But I feel like we're actually, last year was not that good for cinema because cinema TV took over mm. with Netflix yeah. binge watching and all these quality creators going through. That's exactly what's going down. I mean, if you have you guys seen Atlanta, the Donald Glover show? I haven't. I, My roommate loves it, and I just haven't. I just uh, haven't given myself the time to like sit down and watch it. The last time I uh, sat down with FX was for OJ. It. Like mm. FX is, uh, you know, we we have cable, but you're right. I mean, streaming is so prolific. Yeah. And it's really my computer's with me everywhere, but my physical television is not. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no one is. Yeah, we're getting more content than we ever did, but now there's less call to action to watch things live unless they're sports or experiential events or award shows and things like that. So it's fascinating to me because your content is great and there's all these digital companies working with major creators like the full screen app, their company, they just did a show with Brett Easton Ellis, like an R-rated show on exclusively on their app, which I think is just so cool that these new media companies now are getting to work and make a creative handshake with these creators. And obviously the first one is Netflix, when you think about it. I mean, Orange the New Black, House of Cards, no one thought it would, they would turn into the pop culture sensation and phenomenon that they did. And now Brad Pitt has this, like, comedy war movie coming out, which is supposed to be, like, a summer movie. But it's on Netflix and getting into everyone's hands in every single home, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Ian and I were just going over the list of the most recent cancellations. Are there any shows that you think have run their course but they're still re-upping on the the big four or five networks that really should just be done And, yeah, and this is – and it's funny because these cancellations are, once again, showing – I wouldn't say the death of the big four or five, but more so of how just cultures are shifting, you know, with audiences. Because think about it, CW is actually rocking it. They really understand Gen Y and Gen Z and are attracting people to linear cable with these quality shows, the DC Universe shows and everything. I wouldn't never in a million years say they're crushing it the most out of anyone. Um, I love, there was this just horrible show I loved watching called Timeless. Yes. It was just so cheesy <laughs> and up my alley. And it was like the best rated show and it got canceled. And I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, everything else I'm like not surprised with. The Simpsons is going to keep getting renewed for life. Same with Family Guy. I mean, those are your two flagship animations. They, people mm-hmm. like raise their families off doing voices for that show. Um, very happy to see uh, Lethal Weapon get renewed. That's another just very I'm, I'm like a fool for 90s action nostalgia because I can say garbage in an endearing way and the Lethal Weapon <laughs> show is garbage but I just like love every second of it because I love all four of those movies more than anything in the world and someone tried to argue with me plot like logic with one of the episodes and I was like he did it for I just go back to Fast and Furious franchise logic he did it for family yeah. it's all for family you know, because family, or because reasons is my new reasoning. Yeah, because, re- because reasons. Up, because you, reasons. 
I yeah. bet I, I I don't know. Are you watching Riverdale? Because that's what Ian is watching. Yeah, we have, I have a group of friends and I that are like obsessed with this like insane show. Yeah, it's, so it's based off the Archie comics, but like a TV fourteen approach of it. But exactly. that's absolutely asinine and absurd. But then also trying to like low key be the OC. But then there's murder and stuff. And then, but then it's also very teeny. And I, I haven't watched it yet, but I've just heard. Well, and coming from coming from a production standpoint, I think it just uh, we're actors. You're a producer. Like I think it's clear to everyone in the business that the other nostalgia that's coming up is giving second chances to actors that have been gone for a while. Yeah, and absolutely. like Cole, of course, yeah. I think Cole Sprouse is the perfect example. He is like a fucking star. And he's finally getting his chance after finishing college to separate from his brother yeah. and also do this yeah. new viral CW shit. Yeah. I think it's perfect. Oh, yeah. No, I great on it. I'm actually looking forward to checking it out. But it's interesting how teen properties are still what sells. That is one thing. Yeah. Many people are taking notes from, especially with the success of 13 Reasons Why. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, we just got our... For Netflix, 13 Reasons Why is a win, besides all the controversy and whatever, from a production standpoint and distribution way, you've been trying to capture your age 11, age like 18 demo for so long, and you just couldn't budget with Netflix. Because it's like, it doesn't even matter if you're a film. If you're 14, you're not going to discover Breaking Bad until you're 21. That's just how it is, unless right. that's the career you want to set upon. But 13 Reasons Why was like the TVMA R-rated gateway dealing with that subject matter on why so many people binge-watched it and why all these big pieces are there, you know? And once again, I haven't watched the show. I've watched the pilot um, from a production design, just strictly production design, dialogue, acting perspective. Uh, it's it's not fun garbage. It's just pretty bad. Um, yeah. I'm, at the whole entire first episode, I'm like, oh, God, why is he so softly lit? It's just standards <laughs> for a Netflix show. I'm like, That's- why is he so softly lit? Oh yeah, God, I've, I've kind of felt that way throughout watching the, the whole thing. So, yeah, 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 and everyone tells me to, and I'm just being, they're saying you're being too critical on things that don't matter. I started laughing, and I was like, oh my God, all of those things matter. Why House of Cards is great, or even Orange is the New Black, is because the acting is great, the blocking is awesome, the production design is there, the, you know, like, uh, clothing and wardrobe, even the makeup, like, some of the lighting was too soft, and someone needed more foundation, and I was just cranking the whole time. Mm. Um it was like, and then see, and then the OA was like the opposite. It was just like really well done and then just horrible. I couldn't get past the first episode. Which, um, um, and then I heard what the finale, with the, the, the psychic and shit. Yeah. I mean, spoilers yeah. spoilers for the OA and for people who haven't seen it, but friend of the pod, Shannon Walsh, was on the OA. Yeah, towards the end. Yeah, when she was on our show, it was maybe our fifth episode, sixth episode yeah. of the show ever. And she had just finished filming the OA but couldn't tell anyone because they had so many spoilers coming up. I've never gotten the chance to watch Me it neither. yet. But it had such it had such like a spoiler free culture and I think even if people liked it or didn't like it, or like Stranger Things is the perfect example too, any show that or for me, Black Mirror, like these shows that um, because we're streaming in the privacy of our own homes and there's less water cooler talk about it, yeah. there's less spoilers overall and I think people keep them more sacredly. Yeah, that's and that's pretty cool like as a result. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, and that's the very cool, like the water cooler culture is something I love but now it's, people keep it to themselves or when articles are shared they won't put a spoiler in the headline unless they're super savage about it. 
Um, <laughs> and that's what's cool. Or they'll have an article and like do a big space between a paragraph going spoilers, spoilers. Okay, here we go. Same with YouTube videos. Screen Junkies is really good at doing that with talking about spoilers or major, major spoilers and telling you to stop the video in 20 seconds. Um, and yeah, that is what's cool. But OA, I, someone told me the ending. I mean, I don't want to spoil it on your podcast. It <laughs> sounds just like hilarious nonsense. <laughs> like, I have no, no offense to your friend. Oh my no, God, it sounded yeah. like... No, it's no... Like they ran out of ideas and I'm like, how are they taking themselves seriously? Please Google it. I don't want to spoil it, but you'll laugh and text me later going... That is the funniest shit I have ever read in my existence of life. I think... That the fact that there was... Oh, my God. I think the spoilers that I run away from the most, and and listeners to the pod know that I'm finishing up Pretty Little Liars. We're in our final six episodes now. And it's like one of those shows that I was age-appropriate to watch when it was still on the former ABC mm. family. But now, the people that watch it are all my age that have followed the show for the last seven, eight years... We've all grown up through these collegiate years and early professional development with it. And I still feel so stupid every time I turn it on, but it's fucking great television. And I'm like, if y'all spoil this for me, I will fall apart inside. 20-year-old Claire is devastated. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And the internet is what added so much to that show, especially Twitter with their, you know, hashtag who is A, all for A, Mm -hmm. everything with A. Everyone's just going wild over it. I do love the subculture of that show. My girlfriend's obsessed with it. A lot of people have told me, though, it's really gone off the rails and they watch it just as a chore but can never miss it when it's on. You know, I feel similarly. I, I've told Ian before that some of the reveals in the past, I was weeping. I was so shocked and they got me so good in the first three or four seasons. And then there was a muddle at the end where they were trying to figure out if they had a couple more seasons to reveal A or if they needed to reveal A. So then there was one reveal, and then they realized they got extended for a couple more seasons. So then they had a time jump to the present. So the show was apparently happening in the uh, past. Mm. And so, science. Science. Because reasons. And so, because reasons is a great, that is a great place to use because reasons. Oh, we got to start saying oh, that. Oh, 100%. It's because, <laughs> um, but now we're in supposedly the present day, and the way that they're using the last bit of their real estate on the now Freeform network is to um, really lean hard. I mean, it was the first show to have a viral Twitter following, and that's mm-hmm. how they made the show oh, interactive course. social media-wise. That's why it was so successful. Oh, yeah. And I think that... And, yeah, that's been good for them for doing that. I mean, I especially being as relevant as they have as a like, linear cable network is, like, awesome. Like, them, AMC, and FX have been just... I'm, I'm just pretty devastated that like I love seeing a show like that succeed and now what will that network have they're yeah. just gonna have more Harry Potter marathons which I am okay with personally <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about it too that's what keeps it relevant to me I know yeah. it's like I just go oh yeah I have all the blu-ray discs right in front of me but they're 50 feet away yep. the yeah. remote <laughs> two feet away from me why would I choose to get up and walk from my couch and take the one-minute process it does to do everything when I can just take the remote and watch it. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting, especially with cable TV, I mean, shifting. Like, everything's just shifting, really, at the end of the day. You know, all these people are launching their own a la carte apps. Mm. Um, plug for Ovation. We're launching our Ovation now. Exciting. Um, yeah, it's exciting that this much content is now going into the hands of so many people. Because it's just... 
the, it was rewarding just the amount of obstacles you had to take and hurdles you had to jump to get access to R-rated, illicit, or inappropriate content was just nuts when I was a kid. I remember yeah. having to go to the video rental store with VHSs and put an R-rated movie into a PG movie and then drink 15 <laughs> glasses of water, Bart Simpson style, to wake up. So I would wake up at like 3 a.m., watch this R-rated movie at age nine with like a little headphone jack we had on a small TV. Oh, what my and, no. and, you know, return the movie the next day. And I was messing with the system of the video oh, store. And the owner knew. He definitely knew, but he didn't care. That is... Because we would talk like, you know, I was talking with him about Requiem for a Dream when I was 11, which is Whoa. so beyond borderline inappropriate. <laughs> so, that is so um, cool. That is know, amazing. I, yeah, I'm kind of happy I didn't have streaming as a kid or I'm not in this generation again. I just feel like I'd be watching Goodfellas at age five and it would just change everything. <laughs> I think that's why I might have been such a just not not a pretentious asshole when I was at Elon when it came to culture and film and TV. Just very educated that wanted to educate others. And a lot of people wouldn't budge. perfect example is there was a weekend at Kendrick Lamar show in 2011 they were like eight bucks each, and no one wanted to come to my hipster nonsense R&B and rap shows in North Carolina when they both had free mixtapes. Jokes on all those other Elon basics. No, <laughs> true. Oh, buddy, um, and, I... I never, and I say that in an endearing way, too. You know, I just like, listen to me. I'm like not smart at other things except this. He's... This is what I know. And then someone, I like, someone told me, I was like, you know, your opinion's always not the right one. I was like, no, I love people having different opinions. It's great. I want to have an educated discussion. And then one of my amazing college professors, well, leave unnamed, but was just phenomenal and very much helped shape my, like, professional career and just my passion of what to do. He says, when we're in a film class, like, no, your opinion's always right. You're the, st- you're the golden standard of people's opinions. You are the taste people should aspire to have. When people yeah. want to see film or music or hear about something, you are the golden standard in their byline. As in, if you say something sucks, don't waste your time with it, they will not waste their time with it because mm. you said it. And then I was like, well then, the rest of my life is going to go great. <laughs> validating my behavior. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just, I just want to spread the, spread the... I feel there's too much shit art there that gets the awareness. No one loves Garbage Pop more than me. I, the band Garbage, one of my favorites. <laughs> over Backstreet Boys. I know I'm yes! going to get for that, but it's Sync Over Backstreet Boys. Oh, um, and sync over Backstreet Boys. Really? Yeah, yeah. Jay Timberlake. Think of how relevant Jay Timberlake has been in our lives from '97 until now. I know, and I'm and I'm big on the JC Shazay train. I think JC should. I told Ian on the show one time that there is a clip from the Mickey Mouse Club where JC Shazay and Tony Luca sing "Now and Forever." And I genuinely feel that it might have been the best thing that happened on that entire show. I think that oh, J.C. Shazay is like, this is this might be tangent number one. <laughs> we count off our tangents on the show because I, I, oh, have, I have too many of them. But J.C. Shazay and the whole like Tony Luca, Carrie Russell, and then that was the year that Ryan Gosling and uh, Brittany and Christina and Justin all came on the show. Mm-hmm. And Tony Luca and Carrie Russell were like the hot thing. And I just, I, uh, it's so crazy to think that that was what was happening in 1992. Yeah. And like that, mm-hmm. like that was what people were caring about. And now I feel like the people that these kids have to look up to are kind of, I don't know, some are really inspiring, like um, Amanda Stenberg or Demi Lovato and some of these people. But I find that 
some like you know I love the Biebs, but he had some rough years in there. Oh and yeah. I, and I just I wish we could just look you know look to a group of kids that all happen to be on the same TV right. show at the same time. Yeah. And that's what that's where YouTubers come in, you know, because a lot of them are inspiring positivity and a change. And they got cameras when they were ten. That's why they make more money than all three of us on this phone call combined in the past yep. six yep. years <laughs> over <laughs> like a day of work because. They're like literally can't even. I'm like, oh my god, Becca, Laura, and Ashley, and them are just gonna be like, oh my god, and we're best friends because boys are stupid and boys are dumb. But there's this <laughs> cute dress that you can get a code for if you get to this point. But boys are stupid. Remember that boys are dumb and you're cool. But also, you know, I have this really cute hair product that I'm representing. Did I mention <laughs> literally boys are the worst? You're with me, right? Because we're like, I have a giveaway, but just know because boys are dumb and we're best friends. That's oh my god, giving this. And Ian, that's how this it is goes, what's going on people, out in the streets. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning so much think, today. Think about it. You, you had direct access to your fan, like to your fandom that you could tweet at them. If we, have, if we could do this to Justin Timberlake, or I'm trying to think of like one-hit wonder bands like LFO or Nine. That's the band spelled number nine, I-N-E. That's it, baby. <laughs> yep, that, who thought of that? So, uh, soul decision faded. I'm kind of faded, but you feel all right. Yep. Making that body move. Yeah, all these people, like, there's versions of all those bands I mentioned on YouTube. There's a band called O, number two, the letter L, one, two, live. I didn't know it was a thing in any way, shape, or form. Neither should any of us know that it's a thing in any way, shape, or form. They're, like, running the game. I remember when there was a VidCon panel, they had, like, a freaking line going out the door. And what? do you remember watching Total Request Live as a kid and when the thing would be on the show? Oh, my God, do totally. That, like, you got to tune into TRL to, like, because... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, that's what these kids are doing. This is TRL to them, basically. Oh, my gosh. That's so crazy it's, to me. It's crazy. It's crazy to me. It's crazy to everyone, but... These kids are laughing their way to the bank way more than our favorite actors on any TV show yeah. or independent film That's that true. we love. 